Welcome to the Switchboard Podcast. Switchboard is a one-stop resource hub for refugee service providers in the United States, funded by the Office of Refugee Resettlement. We provide resources, trainings, communities of practice, and programmatic assistance for programs funded by the ORR. Today, I will be talking with Nao Kabashima. She is the executive director of the Korean Organization of San Diego. Now is the co-founder and has led the organization since 2009. KOSD aims to meet the needs of newcomers from Burma and San Diego. Thank you so much for joining us today now. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. We're here today in Silver Spring, Maryland yes. with the Switchboard team. And I was happy to be able to meet in person with you and record yes. the podcast. So thank yes. you for joining. Awesome. Let's start off with some questions. Mm-hmm. So KOSD is partnering with Switchboard to provide technical and training assistance mm-hmm. to ethnic community-based organizations. Mm-hmm. Can you give a brief overview of yes. what an ECBO is? Yes, ethnic community-based organizations are organization funded, founded and then led by refugees or former refugees by themselves and for the advancement of refugees and newcomers in this country. And like led by refugee, meaning they're the organization's governing board. At least 60% of the governing board members are refugees. That's awesome. And so how does an ECBO mm. meet the needs of a community in different ways? Yeah, I think like ECBOs and refugee resettlement agencies very different. I said, if ECBO are founded and led by refugees themselves, so I think it's very natural for them to provide culturally and linguistically appropriate services. Uh, many, usually, like most of the community workers at the ECBOs are refugees themselves, and then from the very similar background or same country or speak different languages of the population that they serve. So I think that's uh, one of the future the strength of the refugee community, I mean, the ECOs. And then also, like, because the organizations are led by themselves, like a refugee themselves, I think the community members even feel comfortable to go with, uh, trust their message. And I feel that's the best skills. And I feel the capacity buildings of ECOs are the capacity building of the community because most of the ECO board members and then the staff members are refugees from the community. So that's another difference. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So ECBOs can see a different maybe yeah. level of trust because right. that, that cultural yeah. competency already exists because right. it's you know, built in with mm-hmm. the you know, staff and volunteers. Right. That's and then really also cool. like if main, like a main mainstream organization struggling to reach the community or government agency, you know, struggle to reach that community because of language needs and it's very natural for us to do. We know where the community members are and they trust us. Yeah. So have you been able to partner with agencies that are maybe mm-hmm. looking for, yes. looking to you for that guidance, yeah. how to connect with clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we, we started this organization in 2009. Beginning, we are really struggling with financial any funding opportunity coming to us to support our work. But the first uh, grant we ever got was from the Office of Refugee so that we got a community work with OR or in our local community, we work with the county very often, the city of San Diego, um, school, district. Those agencies definitely have uh, difficulty reach our community for our organization, speak Burmese or Kaban or Kalani. Uh, yeah, we are able to. Very easy. That's awesome. That's very a cool <laughs> partnership that yes, is able yes. to develop and then ultimately serving the newcomers even mm-hmm. more. You know, there's yes. there's strength in numbers. Right. So yes. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
So in 2009, you co-founded the Grin organization of San Diego. So what are what were some of the pressing needs that you saw in the community mm. then at the beginning of the organization? Yeah, uh, so at the beginning, I was one of the volunteers in the community. Uh, by the way, I'm not uh, from Burma. Mm-hmm. I'm, we have over 15 staff members and I'm the only one person who are not a Burma Japanese immigrant. But when I was doing my home visit, I was making sure that everybody food, everybody's getting poor, like housing, health. And in those days, we see huge gaps between the needs of our newcomers and then also what the San Diego community were able to offer. Like even the teachers at the local school, like the refugee students from Burma are going. Those teachers probably didn't know how to communicate with our parents and then the students local hospital, clinics, or even just the neighbors that they didn't really know who these people are. And also like our community members that came here, they tried their best to learn English and going to, you know, ESL class and then did whatever they needed to do. But it was really hard for them to find jobs. And then students started to have issue at school, but the parents really we're not able to communicate. So I think uh, when we realized those gaps in the community, we started to have a series of community conversations, community meetings, at the local church or local apartments. And during that conversations, we tried to find our own solutions, the community's own solutions to this issue. And I think that process took about maybe six months or so, but I think that was a really important process because some leaders and myself had idea of having like a profit organization, so community-based organization. But unless like uh, all the community members see the needs and then think that that's a good solution for the community, we knew that that is still not gonna. So that was. I love what you said at the end. How yeah. it's listening to the needs of the community because mm. it won't work. Yeah. You know when I when I did work in resettlement, that was mm. one thing that I learned as well. I worked with youth and in. I could plan all of the things that yeah. sounded fun. Yeah. But if the kids did not want it, it would not work. Yes, <laughs> and right. it was in vain. And you learn that very quickly. I'm mm. glad that, that your organization took that time to, mm. you know, that six months really, what are we going to do? Like, yes. what is actually needed? Because yeah. it's so important. I think that, you know, we're all in this because we have big hearts and we can look at needs and say, oh, this is what they need. Mm. But sometimes it's very, very different, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Each community have different way to solve and then different right. way to that was important for us. Yeah. And so how have those needs evolved mm. over the last 15 years? You're, you're yeah. about 15 years old now at that's this point, right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot believe it, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's amazing. True. And yeah, it's amazing that we still have this space for the community. But I think the needs uh, evolves. Yes and no. Like, yes, uh, new needs. For example, many of our community members started to be a U.S. citizen. They now have like, different needs means as a U.S. citizen, like truly understand like election, like a small ballot that they vote on or yeah, many, many issues, like even like a benefit that our senior populations were able to get at the BSI benefit, but unless they become citizens, then they're going to lose that benefit or yeah, that kind of needs definitely. And yeah, and then behavioral health needs, you can see maybe at the beginning, like we are really focusing on urgent need, meaning eat, right? Eat and then live today and tomorrow. And then like you have a house and then you have 
basically. Over, but later on, and more and more, we started to see a bit house that's going to be huge. This year, our community members who were from Burma, and as we see on the TV, like what's happening in Burma, like since three years ago, but this type of violence has been happening more than three years. And then, so like generational trauma and effective struggle definitely brought those issues to the community. And then that never, so that type of needs never change. Even basic needs, a lot of new things for even the government benefits application process change or because of the COVID, many things moved to digital application, online application. And now we have to help our community member a different way. So, yeah, both, yes. There have been many periods of transition and change that the resettlement field mm-hmm. has seen over the last few years. We've had the Afghan crisis, COVID, we had shifting political situations mm-hmm. for funding. How has mm-hmm. KOSD adapted to the climate and what we're facing as a country and what we're facing as a community? Mm-hmm. How, what are some of the ways that that you yeah. have seen as a leader that yeah. transition? Yeah, I think I see a lot. But for example, like COVID, right? Our community member from Burma, the most of them never, like especially the parents or grandparents age, they never touched that computer. And every single thing that we did before COVID was in person. We'd never done the virtual anything because that's the way our community members and then feel comfortable to communicate. And then so we ch- like intentionally chose like in-person communication. That's who we are. But because of the, the COVID and then March 20, we needed to close our office completely. And then I was, we are very afraid that our community members feel so at loss, so isolated. And then so what we did right away was to set up that virtual online phone system. So we started to get a Google voice numbers, like six voice numbers that people can call, many different languages. So yes, our office is closed now, like uh, person-wise, but we are able to do just in time through this. And we started to provide a lot of actually like training for them to reach out to. But I think the most important thing we did was not only setting those up, but also making phone calls to them very often. So every week, this month a week, we call those families. We are still here for you. If you need any help, please call this number. Before senior members were by themselves, then we call them even more often because they're easier to get lost and then get isolated. And it's mm-hmm. it's so impressive to hear at the beginning you say we started mm-hmm. with $400. And yeah. you know, even despite all of that, despite yeah. everything that we've been through as a, as a country, mm-hmm. as, you know, as a community, mm-hmm in the last 15 mm. years, but yeah. especially the last, what, four or five yeah. years mm. to grow to where you are today and right. how many folks do you have on staff at this 15. point? 15. Yeah. So mm. you said from one to 15. Yeah, what a, what a right. massive jump. And that's something mm. to be proud of. You know, yes. that's your leadership during mm. times of transition, honestly, yes. in, in my oh, opinion. I think, yeah, yes. y'all, y'all should be proud of yourself for sure. Yes. That's incredible. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. On the note of leadership, have mm. you seen your leadership style change over the years? And in oh, what yeah. in what ways do you think oh, that yes. you've you've grown as a leader and mm. had to adapt? Yeah. As I said earlier, I'm Japanese and then I'm not from this country. So at the beginning, in the beginning, I always knew that my position, executive director of this ECBO, would be somebody 
happy. So that I've been always kind of preparing for the shift. But I've been in funding issues and then I've been kind of postponing my hope. And then at the same time, like my leadership style, maybe the beginning and then maybe sometime still now is I love to help. I love to do things. And then, and for example, like our staff members have a lot of things and I'm happy to help anytime. And then I don't want them to feel overwhelmed because it's really important for them to stay in this organization over to myself. <laughs> so I usually like in my leadership has been like little, let's say, I'm do too much maybe. And then I was not really good at delegating. And because I just love to do this work, right? <laughs> but when I think about our organizational like sustainability and then this community's track, sustainability of this community, and then it's really important for me to dedicate so that our staff and senior staff started to get more knowledge to run this not only the programs, but also kind of management. Part of it. So I started to be that type of leader, little by little. I still need to train. <laughs> I still need to push myself sometimes, but yeah, I started to feel this is a way we, as we CEO, and then yeah, our hope is one day right out or um, started to have other leaders to come in together. Yeah, that's the way that. I think that is such a, a mark mm. of a true leader mm. as well. One thing that I believe is that, you know, the mark of a true mm. leader is empowering your team mm. to take over and replace you in way better than you could have ever done yes, it. You know, because yes. that when you can look back at mm. the legacy that you've left mm. and say, oh, I equipped this team mm. to at one day, whenever that comes, you know, maybe yes. it's the far future or near future. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter yes. that they would even, they would continue carrying the baton and they would do it even better. And it's right. like, because I empowered them to do mm. it. So it sounds like you lead mm. from a place of humility and service. And that's very admirable. Yeah. And I, I don't think you're alone in the delegation. I think there are many executive yeah. directors that might be listening that probably this. understand. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's difficult, especially when something is, you know, mm-hmm. you have ownership over it. And you're like, yeah. love it. And, and love not necessarily it. ownership, but but love yeah, yeah, and yeah. passion for it. Right. And it's like, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to delegate that sometimes, mm-hmm. but it is it's good it's to important. develop that. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that, that you envision KOSD mm-hmm. partnering and, and you know providing technical yes. and training assistance alongside Switchboard. Yes. So really excited this opportunity. And as a small ECBO, I never thought that uh, we are able to be partner with Switchboard. But I, I think, yeah, we can be a good partner because of these struggle that we have as organizations and then also the best practices that we found out through these struggles. So through this partnership, I, we are able to provide any kind of finance technical assistance for ECBO leaders, but also we are, I'm really excited about the community of practice. It is more like a space for ECBO leaders or people working for the ECBOs coming together to talk about some common issues in the community or common struggles, or maybe just to share like something that can make you happy, make you worry to keep this organization. And there's no like judgment, like there's nothing you should not say or you should say. Yeah. But I, we needed that kind of thing for, yeah, there's a lot of things that we are able to talk on the CCBOs. Yes, I'm really excited yeah. about this. Yes. 
Incredible. And we're mm. excited to have you and our yes. other partners this year is going to be wonderful. And, mm. I, and so if you are listening and you are an ECBO, yes. be on the lookout mm. for these materials mm-hmm. and, and have the guidance of now. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yes. Thank you for having me. If you're a resettlement service provider and are looking for new ways to improve your current programs or build new programs, please do not hesitate to reach out to the Switchboard team via our website. Please check out our resource library for all of the latest resources on refugee resettlement. We will publish one episode each month throughout the year. Thank you for tuning in. See you next month on the Switchboard Podcast.